This episode is brought to you by Charles Schwab. Decisions made in Washington can affect your portfolio every day. Washington Wise from Charles Schwab is an original podcast that unpacks the stories making news there. Listen at schwab.com slash Washington Wise. When you're commuting, tune out all the noise and tune into the news you need to know. WSJ Podcasts. Listen where you want. When you want. Now, Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Everything you need to know about money and the markets, and then some. Welcome to the Money Beat Podcast. I am Paul Vigna, along here, and I have to be good because I have my boss, Stephen Grosser, in the studio with me. And we have a, a special guest today, Andrew Zatlin from South Bay Research. Andrew is a, a gentleman I've known for a few years now. Uh, Andrew, you got to get your reports. You've been a, a source of mine. I uh, work out of San Mateo. Right, your one-man shop out of San Mateo in the middle of the valley, California. By the way, just California, sure. California folks. Right, in Better case weather. you know, I consider myself moderately cool enough that I can say San Mateo without having to say California. You're right? a dude. You are a dude. But clearly, I overstepped my bounds. Uh, in the valley, but you're in New York for a couple of days, so we thought we'd snag you for a, for a podcast today. And uh, what I want to get Andrew is because you follow. Uh, the data very closely. It's a big thing that you, you do and you sell your clients. You know, I, I want to get your take on Friday's jobs report, what you saw in it, and, and what you think it says, and more importantly, what, what you think it doesn't say, what it's missing. So jobs came out. They were pretty good, above 200. It was 211, 211 I think, right. was the number. And, and that's following on a revised 300-odd from the previous month. I mean, obviously, what we're seeing is a run rate that's around 200K payroll, if you look at the at the official model. You go down to the next level, peel it out, and what you see are actually – there's a lot of strength in there. In fact, I think the number today is understated in some places. So I look at it as there was good stuff and there was bad stuff. The, the good stuff was you had pretty good breadth in terms of who was growing. Manufacturing. We know the story with manufacturing soft, and yet the manufacturing payrolls hung in there pretty well. Um, at the same time, one of the things that caught my eye – and in fact, I was even more bullish on the number – transportation. The transportation figure was, was terrible. And there are a couple ways to look at that. You could say, well, and when I say terrible, let me put that in context. UPS and FedEx last year and all the other transportation seasonal hires, we're talking not seasonally adjusted, but just the raw numbers. Yeah, yeah. They said, hey, you know, they hired 166,000 people in just uh, the, the two, three months of August, September, excuse me, uh, September, October, November. 166,000. This year, 102,000. That's a huge gap. And at the same time, a reality check. The model says, nope, they're not hiring. In fact, this is the lowest hiring since the recession ended. Reality check. UPS and FedEx announced they were hiring more this year than they've ever hired. So you've got a challenge with the model and reality. If we stick only at the model, and remember, the only reason we're going to look at the model is because it drives what, what the, the Fed's going to do. what the is reporting. Right. Yeah. It's what the Fed's going to Everyone officially, it's the mainstream view. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that drives decisions. It's going to drive probably a Fed rate hike. They've got the ground clearance. When you drill down, though, it's, you know, it's like making sausage. It's a little bit messy. It's, it's ugly. My take is if you want to follow the model, the model's going to, get, going to revise the number up again because, again, transportation was lowballed this month. Mm-hmm. At the other extreme, there is one area that I thought was really glaring out as a big problem because it isn't a one-month thing. If transportation was a one-month, huh, what happened? Education at the start of the year with Labor Day weekend, the education payrolls, they keep goosing it up. Last month was goosed up primarily because they found 30,000 more education jobs. Those are one-offs. The trend, though, 
month after month for the whole year has been temp workers are not being hired at the rate they were last year. Now, if you want to be glasses half full, you'd say, well, that's great. That means temp workers, part-time workers are being converted to full-time. This is awesome, sign of economic strength. But it isn't. And it isn't because this month, for the first time since the recession started, November November payrolls, we're talking the raw numbers. We're talking not seasonally adjusted numbers, not messed with models and whatever else they do to it. That number came in negative. And what that means is there were firings in November. Now, think about this. This is the time of year when everyone's trying to get part-time workers in to do whatever needs to be done for seasonal work. They're firing. Now, it's one thing. We just came through earnings season. We had company after company say, you know what? Revenue growth just isn't there. doesn't matter if they made their earnings. Revenue growth just isn't there. I come from the corporate world. I worked in industry before I started working with Wall Street. And I'll tell you, it's very simple. When companies are in a wait-and-see mode, they don't fire. They simply don't hire. Hiring comes to a standstill. Monster, a couple weeks ago, said, Monster leading uh, temporary agency, um, said, hey, we're seeing a lot of tentativeness out there in terms of hiring. Okay, very consistent. Companies, they're not seeing revenue growth. There's no need to hire. They're also looking at some cost containment. That's one thing, not hiring. Outright firing. Now, the difference is last year this time, 26,000 temp workers were hired in November. Last year this time. Last year this time, 26. This year, 11,000 were fired. So you're talking almost a 40,000 swing in temp worker payrolls in the month of November. Every month, for year after year after year, since the recession ended, we've seen about 25, 30,000 workers hired. All of a sudden, for the first time, people are getting fired. You could say that this is a manufacturing sector issue because, again, manufacturing, we know where they are. And and quite frankly, there's going to be both direct workers and indirect workers in the ecosystem. And we we could probably throw a lot of this temp worker cut at the manufacturing sector, but not all of it. And I think that's the key going forward. If you look at the payrolls, you take a step back. You know, there's always going to be some seasonal adjustment. Did they or didn't they stuff? Did they massage it right? But when you look at the raw numbers, what you really want to ask yourself is going forward, manufacturing's in pain. To what degree is the global economic malaise hitting the U.S.? To what degree is the manufacturing sector hitting? How much of this is spilling over into our service economy, which is the bulk of our economy? And I'm looking at temp workers, and I'm wondering, is that, and this usually is the canary in the coal mine for broad-based economic sluggishness. Because it's easier for companies to move around temp workers, right? I mean, there's no labor slackness here. I mean, when when you think about it, let's face it, these aren't, you know, if you're working as a white-collar worker at a company, in order for that company to lay someone off, there's the HR issues. There's the legal issues. Right. It's, a, it's a hard thing to move somebody right. off the right. payrolls. If you're a part-time worker, hourly worker, right to work, uh, you know, right to hire and fire, it's easy. And, yeah. and you know, while we talk about unemployment levels being so low, the reality is they're not for part-time workers, and they're not for people who are 24 and under. When you look at the 24 and under scene, you're talking unemployment levels 15% or so. When you, you know, it's funny because, okay, you say that temp hiring has been That number, by the way, down. is rough. I forget what the actual yeah. number is, but it's you, double digit. You say temp hiring has been down from a year ago, but I think overall hiring has been down for a year ago. The, the headline pace has come down. Yeah. When you look at that and you think about what the Fed wants to do later this month, the fact that they want to start tightening policy, where do you put, where are we in the business cycle right now? Because a lot of that, I think, is going to talk to what happens in 2016. 
I don't know that a lot of people have a good sense of where we are in the business cycle right now. Where do you think we are? So I track hiring at small business hiring, but I also track the Russell 1000 company hiring at the individual company level. I track what companies are actually doing, not the sample view. But look, this is really what they're doing. And since since about the second quarter, every company in every sector has been tapping the brakes on hiring. And the reason is if you look at if you look at corporate profits that are coming out, and let's let's define what we mean. Corporate profits non-financial, you don't care about whether Bank of yeah. America is doing great or not. That doesn't really drive jobs. Also domestic. You look at the domestic non-financial companies because that's driving U.S. Mm-hmm. labor. You'll see that a couple quarters ago, corporate profits were huge. I think it was, again, raw number was around 20%, then 10%. It's now in the latest quarter come down to 5%. Of, that, of that group. That for that group well, that's basically the, the majority of, of corporate profits in America. So what, what we're talking about is if you go into a company in a business – Profits are good. Profits are growing. We're talking year over year, 5%. But they're not stellar. Mm-hmm. And so what's what's the problem there? Is it inflation? No, it's not inflation. It's not all of a sudden our costs have gone up and that's cutting into our margins. Our top line is slowing down. And so when you get to that low single-digit level of profitability, you're certainly not going to be hiring. And that's what we've been seeing. But companies, you know, they knew this way back when. They knew it over the summertime. We got the first cold shower in the summertime when payrolls fell down to close to 100K. Mm-hmm. And that was not an anomaly. That was a wake-up call. You know, you can bounce off that a little bit. But fundamentally, what we're seeing is businesses shifted to a wait-and-see mode. Now, that was not manufacturing only. We're talking every business out there. And let, let me define what I mean by the, they hit the brakes. They're still hiring. We still have a good economy. I mean, 200K payroll run rate, that's good. But looking forward, if I'm not hiring, all of a sudden we're in a, a, a bad situation where we might have that that cycle, that vicious cycle, not virtuous cycle, where we have company after company saying, geez, I don't need to spend as much CapEx. You know, I chart the semiconductor world. You know, Every single company there starting the summertime started really, really cutting back their CapEx spending and managing people, not managing them out, but just managing the hiring. So what we're looking at is year over year, you're not going to see the same uptake. Growth of actual hiring is slowing. The next thing will be bonuses will be lower. Wages will be lower. So all of a sudden, that starts to translate to people recognizing that, you know, this isn't, mm-hmm. it's not a last hurrah, but, you know, this isn't great. So you're going to see some, I think the retail season for this year is locked in because the budgets for this this holiday season were, were, we're set earlier. Set earlier, sure. yeah. But if we look at next year, you're seeing people concerned are we shifting to a plan B, which is it's one thing to be in a wait-and-see mode. It's another to say, you know what, we don't see the pickup. And I think we're not going to know that until about February, and the wild card really is China. Yeah. So I have two questions. I mean, you talk about, like, companies, energy and a stronger dollar taking a lot of the blame for the hit to corporate profits. And the Fed's, you know, refers to them as transitory. I mean, how much do you think that's actually what's hitting, you know, corporate profits or we actually – seeing a, a slowdown in activity. And then a second question more to what you were saying later, but that does you, – you sort of are raising a, a concern about the inflation target that the Fed keeps talking. If bonuses are getting cut, wages aren't there, hirings on – I mean, we're not – you know, we're never getting to that 2%. Yeah, I know. Infl- inflation is kind of a uh, – you know, coming out of Silicon Valley, you realize that high tech is deflationary by its nature. 
And then you throw China into the mix, deflationary. And China is going to aggressively be deflationary. Starting this month, this is a kind of little tidbit, but let me use this as an anecdote of what's about to come out of China as they export more deflation. As a consumer, I'm very happy. The number, I think they're number one, they keep jockeying back and forth, but the number one cell phone company in China today is, is a company called Xiaomi. And they just cut a deal with Qualcomm so that they can now come to the U.S. Until now, they couldn't come to the U.S. because they weren't really on the up and up with their IP. Okay, but now they're going to export their phones. You can get a phone from Samsung that will run, throw a number out there, six, 700 bucks, smartphone. The exact same components, the exact same phone made by Foxconn, who makes Apple iPhones, right. for 400 or $300. Okay, the exact same phone, 30% cheaper. Now, then you've got white goods. You've got appliances. You know, right now what's happening is China's going to say, you know what? We make all this stuff. But we've got to white label it for Western companies. We're not going to do that anymore because we lose a lot of the profit. And quite frankly, let's cut out the middleman. Everyone wins. So you're going to start to see, to your point, inflation. There's no inflation. There's no – I mean, if if there really were true job growth, not the bartender job growth, you would see wages going up. I mean, overtime hours worked today in the manufacturing space. They've been trending down now. They're at the lowest they've been in two and a half years. We do not – have labor tightness, and that's going to drive most of your inflation, although you know, I guess the, th- the economic theorist would say it's printing money. But, I mean, ultimately, there's no pressure, and yeah. we're going to have the opposite, the deflation coming in. Um, yeah, what was your first, what question, was your first question, though? I kind of got to— no, It was just getting back to sort of energy and, oh, yeah. uh, you know, a stronger dollar. Right. So, I mean, everyone's—look, when you see something like this, there's a lot of spin. You know, throw something under the bus. Oh, that was China or that's energy— at the end of the day, let's just use the clothing stores. Every single, pretty much every clothing retailer has said, we're just not selling as much. You know, it's, it's a unit thing. You, you look at autos, you know, they're, autos are doing great. And, and again, we're not talking yeah, about the, a, the, the sales rate looks fantastic, right? Yeah. It's up it, around 18 million. You can't, you, can't, you can't complain about this. But if the story's a growth story, and let's face it, what is a recession? No more growth tipping into a slightly negative sequential growth. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, you know, 1991 kind of recession was like that. Gee, yeah, we, we grew, we stopped growing for a little bit, and then we grew again. 2007 recession, the Great Recession, that was full-on contraction. That right. was, we're not selling anywhere near what we were. Now, that's U.S. side. Europe, what's interesting is they've been, I mean, ignore the main, you know, 0.2% GDP. And what, what is that? Come on. Right. They've been recessionary for a long time, and the data that I'm tracking um, I track a specific subset of, of cargo shipments. Now, who cares about coal and iron? That's, you know, whatever. I track the intermediate goods, the value-add goods that really speak to our businesses and consumers really spending money. And what's interesting is that and, – and by the way, it's got a great it's, – it's historically just strongly correlated to the European economy and GDP. And it started to bottom a couple months ago. So, you know, recently we had the euro. Yesterday was a great day for is the it, euro is that dollar. that good then? I mean, a bottom, you so, know, is that good? It's interesting because I, I was talking to someone. I said, you know, and this was Wednesday before this happened. I said, you mm-hmm. know, all these bets are that the dollar is going to strengthen and the euro is going to weaken. But my data, and I sent this out to my clients earlier in uh, last week, my data is saying Europe is bottoming. And if Europe bottoms, the euro dollar relationship, you're seeing a huge divergence between what the market expects and the reality of a strengthening Europe. Yesterday was probably a dry run. Yesterday was more of a draggy, yelling, one-two punch. Fast forward to February, 
where I'm saying, hey, the U.S. is probably on a weakening trajectory, which is different from what people expect, the, the clean shirt thing, and Europe is on a strengthening trajectory. Wow. All of a sudden, you've got another rerun of what we saw yesterday, only more vicious because it's not a one day, did I say the wrong thing? It's we are at two different trends. Wow. Uh, you know what? We are going to wrap it up there. That's all the time we have for. Andrew, I want to thank you for coming in, spending a few minutes with us. Thank you for having me, and, Paul. Uh, you know, thanks, Steve. Yeah, thanks. Hopefully, the next time we see you, it'll be me in California rather than you in New York. Absolutely. That's better for me. Can you bring me along? Yeah, sure. send us grocer. A little, a little vignette, send us. Grocer, I think we need. I, th- I think we need to. We need to go know. to Vegas and and do some on the street uh, research. Yeah. Feed on about the, street the economy. Research. Yes, exactly. See, that's the next podcast. Is we'll talk about your vice, vice index. index. We didn't exactly. even have time to get to that one. Uh, all right, Andrew. Thank you very much, Gross, Stephen Grocer, Paul Vigna. We'll talk to you soon, folks. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.